Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is podcast in a car, pain information. Uh, visit visit us at paininformation.com if you'd like and leave a suggestion. This is a suggestion for a podcast today. It's it's interesting, and I like talking about it, but the problem is a subject can go into the weeds. Uh, I'm going to make this uh, a, a an interesting discussion and not necessarily a lesson in physiology. We don't want that. It's springtime. Everybody wants to kind of just kind of lay back a little more, enjoy the sunshine. You know, listen to the birds, take your dog for a walk, um, and just uh, people get outside, get moving. I tell patients all day, every day, please get moving because it affects your brain. And that's kind of the subject here today is what is your brain doing? What is your tissues in your central nervous system doing with not only pain, but inflammation and different levels of that pain and inflammation? Because uh, we're learning more and more science and it's generally not necessarily breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. It's not leaps. It's small steps that add up, and that's how it's working here with our our topic today. I'm going to talk about inflammation. Everybody throws that word around, and it's it's a hard one to understand because it isn't uh, straightforward. There's inflammation at the cellular level. There's inflammation um, uh, with, uh, of course, disease states, um, and there's inflammation just simply by doing dumb things you know over oh working your muscles your joints uh, scratching too much whatever we all have our uh, kind of mindset of what what inflammation is but let's drill it down to the central nervous system and let's go to something called the glia the glia were for years thought to be kind of a nothing substrate in the brain. Uh, they didn't really have a real function. They just held the neurons together. And the neurons are, of course, the thinking stuff, the action stuff, the stuff that makes us uh, do what we do. And it's connected to different structures within the brain. But glia, uh, they're alive. They move. They have... Uh, incredible function and uh we're just taking those small steps and getting to know a lot about glia now what's cool about glia well it's about how we can look at the pharmacology of drugs as it relates to these microstructures and the idiosyncrasies of medications that we just kind of like shelved and we didn't have a real reason for them or whatever. And then all of a sudden, somebody messes with an idea or messes with the drug or has uh, a different outcome, which is usually how things happen in medicine is we have an outcome that's unexpected or we use something off-label. And voila, result. And result unexpected, but let's figure this out. So that will be our topic today naltrexone but i'm going to take it down to naltrexone low dose and ultra low dose uh why you say well because some drugs are paradoxical they have two ways of working depending on how much you give 
and how little you give. It, it, start with morphine. Morphine, if you give, you, you know, I'm not going to get into the levels. It's not important. But if you give a fairly high dose of morphine, it's analgesic. It goes to the mu opioid receptors. And, oh, gosh, I feel better. I'm not hurting. Bone break, bone hurt. Uh, and then you start coming down. And you go down, down, down. Analgesic capacity drops. You start hurting more. But you get to this one little level, this fairly low level, and you kind of hurt in a different way. Uh, in other words, it's working on the central nervous system activity in a different way. We also know that when you give a lot of an opioid, the nervous system gets irritable. And to this point, an irritable nervous system is counterproductive. It's called uh, hyperalgesia. There's a lot of a lot of names for it. It's been around over a hundred years in the literature. If you give too much morphine, you hurt more. And what surprises people is that opioids can make pain worse. Absolutely. Uh, it's inflammatory. And let's drill it down to the glia. Opioids can be irritable at the level of the glia. That kind of weird stuff around neurons. And we've seen actually with electron microscopes and other imaging that they seek out, glia seek out the inflammatory elements. So we got to use that. We got to use that information. We know that central nervous system irritability can be a cornerstone in pain. Hyperalgesia, neuropathic pain, and different disease states um, clearly spin up the uh, nervous system. And we can see that on functional MRIs. We can see it uh, in different measuring perspectives, including ESR, or a blood test, that shows a slight increase in inflammation in the uh, blood, but it's relevant and maybe a marker for an ESR test in a disease state is going to be very different than in one that in initiates or involves hyperalgesia uh, or central amplification. Let's call, call it fibromyalgia. Uh, I talked about fibromyalgia before, but let me, let me just touch back. Okay, the Fibro 5. Okay, this is the world according to me. What me? Um, go check out that podcast. W-A-T-M-E. Um, okay. Irritable bowel, chronic fatigue, muscle pain, headache, and pelvic pain. I'll call it interstitial cystitis or any any type of pelvic pain you develop. I'm going to call that the Fibro 5. Why did I do that 15, oh, I don't know, 20 years? I don't know when I did it. I um, started talking about that in meetings and such. And it... Um, it turns out there are common uh, commonalities between uh, different disease presentations or pain presentations that we just don't want to look at uh, through a simple lens. Like we looked at fibromyalgia for years. Oh, it's a muscle problem. Oh, my muscles hurt. Actually, the muscles hurt as a peripheral, I mean an outside-in 
manifestation of a central nervous system problem. Okay, that means inside out as opposed to outside in. Let's start looking at the brain as opposed to there's got to be a muscle problem here, although we have no evidence of that. No, the muscle pain is a referred pain. It's, I'm not going to call it neuropathic, but call it what you'd want. It, it's annoying. The irritable bowel, yeah, there's something really there. How about Crohn's? How about TMJ? You know, there's really nothing wrong with the jaw. I'm, it, it's it's an amplification of pain. It's very true that if I give ketamine, which is what's called an NMDA receptor antagonist, it doesn't matter exactly what it is, but it blocks certain pain mechanisms in the central nervous system, I can see real changes in fibromyalgia. Um, it has a lot to do with the properties of the brain, brain-derived neurotrophic factors, some other things that are brain-healthy items. Um, well, okay, those are IVs and those are theoreticals and uh, those are things you have to kind of get in a special institution. How in the world can I make my life better and treat these elusive bad boys like fibromyalgia, yeah, irritable bowel, uh, Crohn's, um, heck, even rheumatoid or osteo. How can I treat those things um, and have few side effects from whatever it might be? Have it convenient. I don't want to get an IV. How can I do that? Well, okay, step back. Let's look at uh, those paradoxical drugs. Naltrexone was uh, developed in the 60s. It's been around forever. Uh, it was used in the 80s as an opioid antagonist. It blocked the receptors uh, that opioids would uh, gobble up. And that could be useful in addiction medicine, of course. Uh, it could be useful uh, in certain medications. Um, there's one uh, morphine preparation that has little beads in it called naltrexone that if you try to cut crush or snort it or whatever you're going to get a reversal unfortunately that just got taken off the market um that was a uh, not political it was a financial issue and these drugs are expensive expensive to make expensive to maintain in market <clears throat> great drug though um so what about naltrexone we have a drug that appears from early reports to be a very different drug at low dose than it is at high dose. And sure enough, at low dose, very low dose or ultra low dose, it probably suppresses the, the glia. Um, and it suppresses the glia through uh, different anti-inflammatory mechanisms. And one you don't have to know about, but you'll hear it. Um, it's called toll-like receptor 4. And 7, uh, seven and 9 toll-like receptors, they also have to do with inflammatory properties. But these, we see irritability at higher doses with opioids, but at very low dose with these opioid-like drugs, naltrexone, Narcan, naloxone is the other name, um, they can become analgesic. 
and they have very low side effects. It's about one-tenth the oral dose. So 50 milligram naltrexone is now five. You can give it at bedtime. You can take it probably twice a day. Now, few studies, and I've looked at those studies. Uh, yep, in fibromyalgia, 60% responded. Very low sample. I wouldn't call that reliable. However, um, it was only one four and a half milligram dose at bedtime with virtually no side effects, and the cost was U.S. $35 a month. Hey, that's real. <laughs> so, all right, what about BID? Okay, I'm using a BID now twice a day, morning and night, and at 10 milligrams. Five in the morning, five at night. I'm going to follow different disease states, including neuropathy. Oh, my gosh, we have such trouble treating neuropathy. We give the gabapentinoids. We do the amitriptylines or the elevils. We do, we do all these topicals that really don't do anything. And uh, we, we just struggle. We struggle. So we're always looking for something. Low-dose naltrexone looks pretty good. Okay, I'm in the car here. Hang on a minute. i got to make a maneuver. Okay, I'm back. I had to stop at Lazy 5. The uh, baby llamas are out. and they, They're just too adorable. Um, so I had to stop and take a picture. I wish I could post it. Um, okay, so let's get back to where, where we are with uh, some of these medications that were designed for one thing and are helpful for something else. And in fibromyalgia, a number of years ago, well, I gave an antibiotic, minocycline. It's an antibiotic, but it sure helps. Um, paradoxical effect. Dextromethorphan, yep. Label Robitussin DM, dextromethorphan. It works on the NMDA receptor, and it can be very helpful. Um, and what about some of these real elusive type of pains that have a mixed neuropathic and, and um, terrible algogenic presentation like CRPS, even demyelinating diseases like MS, they, they may be helped. So there's some more work there. Um, we have to like look at uh, low-dose naltrexone and drill it down. Uh, some associated uh, cytokines or inflammatory agents, TNF-alpha, interleukin, and that sort of thing. We really want to look at those things to see if we're affecting them and exerting an anti-inflammatory effect in a very cost-effective drug that's readily available and can um, make a difference in in some folks' life. I mean, it, it, we have to have this compounded. It's usually put in a gel, but... Uh, compounding um, pharmacy, they're great. Uh, they can put some of these meds together. And we might be able to put some meds together that uh, are very constructive. Like there is some work out there with uh, oxycodone at low dose and uh, low dose uh, naltrexone, ultra low dose naltrexone. And uh, it works better together than alone. All right. All right. So, 
what is what do the animals tell us? Well, not a lot. Um, the animals tell us that when we give give them something that's going to initiate some type of arthritic pain, we know it does. It's called Freund's ad, advagent or adjuvant. <laughs> um, it initiates inflammatory response. If we give some of these drugs like lodos naltrexone, we can blunt it. So there is a direct measurement, and we don't we don't get direct measurements very often with inflammatory um, diseases. For example, chronic pain starts this pro-inflammatory cascade. It's really neurotoxic in the central nervous system. It interferes with sleep, mood, fatigue, cognitive disruption. We've talked about all these things. All that Fibro 5 stuff, you know, it's basically microglia producing inflammatory effects and excitatory factors, and it leads to sick behaviors, kind of sickness behaviors. And that's uh, sometimes called cytokine cytokine sickness behavior. In other words, the inflammatory mediators all around those glia and the nervous cells are wreaking havoc. Low-dose naltrexone settles them down. So it's worth a try. It's worth a discussion with your um, pain doctor. Certainly don't uh, think that uh, you can do any of these things we talk about here. This is an information uh, discussion, a very candid one, but I think informative, I hope, to open dialogues for folks that are frustrated with their pain. Um, And uh, this podcast is... uh, here for you to uh, put suggestions in on what you think will work. I'm going to um, give you some more information on low-dose naltrexone as I uh, continue to accumulate data. It'll come pretty fast. It's uh, it's the toughies, and I'm not going to kid you. I'm, I'm going to give it to the toughies. So some people are going to be abject failures, but that's okay. We're trying. Um, now, this coronavirus is frustrating as can be. Uh the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians had its annual meeting planned in three weeks. I just got back from speaking across uh, the Pacific Ocean, and uh, um, we couldn't make that trip now. We had to cancel the ASIP meeting in three weeks because it's, uh, it's just a frenzy out there. But I would urge people to please live without fear. Get out, and in a couple of years, we're going to be listening to this podcast and going, oh, gosh, did we overreact? Well, we might have overreacted. We might not have, but do this. Be happy and healthy. Get out and enjoy activity, and it's it's a very true thing. The more active you are, the more you do, the more you can do. We've talked about that in other podcasts with Brain Drive, Neurotrophic Factor, and some other, uh, and some other things we could run down the rat hole. I don't want to do that. Uh, but we'll probably revisit it because this is the stuff that can change your life. And you have to take a proactive role in your own health care. Get out, get out, get out, and socialize. I find it just tragic. A lot of my patients come in and, well, what are you doing? Well, I watch a lot of TV or sitting sitting around. And No, get out. <clears throat> get out of the house. Go to the mall. Do something. Don't let this fear of this virus or whatever it might be um, your own insecurities from your pain but just um, understand that socialization is as is as important as about anything certainly more important than a pill so anyway um, 
let me know what you think. I will um, hope <laughs> that we didn't make this uh, too deep or too confusing. But if, if I did, let me know and I'll try to clear it up. Um, this is a, an important um, consideration in the future. It's an important consideration for you and your pain. All right, I'm almost at Publix. Have a good day.